Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Are you ready for the message? Well, we brought in a big gun, all right? All the way from the East Coast, the South, Florida. Uh, It's a special Sunday for me. Uh, When you plant a church and you have guest speakers in, it's always sweet to introduce your family to family. And today, it's not just family, because we say family all the time. I'm talking family, family. I'm talking best friends since I was a little kid, brother. Um, We're godparents to his kids. Uh, Andrew uh, moved to Piop, Washington uh, when he was 14 years old, and we met at a basketball practice. He came in, he had one sock high and one sock low, uh, because that was cool back then, okay? Uh, And he came from kind of the the hood, so he kind of had that kind of hood vibe going on, and and I was like, who's the cool kid, you know? And uh, we were at practice. I started rapping because I wanted to be a rapper in ninth grade. Uh, and uh, he thought that was cool. And then he said, do you want to spend the night tonight? You know, this is like 14 year olds. And I'm like, yeah. And we literally became best friends from that point on. Uh, gosh, what is it? 40, 26 years ago. Holy cow. 26 years of friendship. Um, and it is a God friendship. Uh, I saw Drew get saved um, in high school. I didn't believe it. He's like, I say, I was like, I don't believe it. Um, it was like one of those ones, like this guy literally came to school with his Bible in his hand. He went from basically Saul to Paul, and it was just an amazing thing. And then I fell in love with the Lord, of course, too, uh, in that season. And uh, we've been chasing after God. Pastor's an amazing church uh, in Florida, Lakeland, Florida, called Grace City Church. And uh, him and his wife, Christina, are just the best. Uh, Drew's an amazing husband, amazing friend, amazing communicator, uh, amazing father. Uh, and before he knew the Lord, you need to know something. He was just the worst. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm serious. And so when people come to church, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know my friend. You know, like, can God reach my friend? I'm like, he reached my friend. He can reach your friend. Yeah. And so, um, and can I ask you a favor before I even write Drew up real quick? I'm gonna, this, is a, this is a you and I conversation. Can you show off a little bit today for me? Can you, can you laugh at his jokes like they're the greatest joke ever? Like, say it's an okay joke. I want you belly laugh. Oh, that's good. You know, okay. Um, if he shares a good word that you, something's good, I want you to act like, it's a, who's this Jesus you're talking about? You know, like, I want you responding. This is a home court advantage. I love my buddy, Drew. Mission Church, would you give it up for my brother, my friend, Andrew Gard. Oh, Mission Church. It is so good. Oh, there goes the notes. We're off to a great start. Man, it's so good uh, to be with all of you. It really is. Um, you know, what's so fun for Christina and I uh, to come here is uh, it's a beautiful thing to come here and to see all the amazing things uh, that God is doing. I, I said this at the first service, but it's always so fun for us because uh, we got to pray for your church before you got to pray for your church. And we got to uh, believe in your church before you even could believe in your church. We got to give to your church before you could give to your church. And, uh, and that's a beautiful thing. And I remember uh, Tyler and Rachel, you know, sharing with us. In fact, we, our, our church was about two years old um, when they shared with us, hey, we're going to plant a church and we're going we're gonna to do this. And, uh, and we had just done it. And, uh, and we were full of faith because some people were coming and it worked. And I'm like, you got to do it. Um, uh, and, uh, and how amazing is it now in just under five years, uh, all the amazing things, the lives that have been transformed, the people whose marriages have been restored, the people um, who have gotten cared for, the people that maybe were feeling a little isolated found a community. And that's really because two people um, uh, God began to speak to and stir up their faith. And right, we know that God does stuff, right? We know to God be the glory, but we also know that God uses people. And, uh, and so, come on, are you grateful for your pastors, Pastors Tyler and Rachel Johnson? The best, the best of the best. <clears throat> and um, uh, it's such an honor for, for me to be here. It's such an honor for me and Christina just to be in relationship with you guys and to be so encouraged and inspired by coming here and seeing what you guys are doing. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So we love you guys a ton. And, um, and it's real. And uh, I don't come as a, as a guest speaker. I just come as um, kind of an uncle uh, that uh, gets to come, you know, once a year and, and just 
impart something that I feel like God has put on my heart. And, uh, and so when I come here, I love preaching here because I just preach like I preach it's, like it's Grace City Church and I get to just come and preach a pastoral message and I don't, I don't got to impress and I don't got to trick and I don't got to do any, you know, Houdini stuff. Uh, I just get to come here and just share God's word and, and, and help kind of move the ball down the field and it's easy to do um, when something like this is going on. And um, you guys are losing to the Falcons right now. So, Lord, right now, I pray you would do whatever you can in this room, in Jesus' name. Um, also, um, my wife was here. She was here at the first service. I'm like, I was DBR in it. Well, sorry. <laughs> Uh, my wife was here, and she actually uh, just took off. She went to go meet uh, uh, actually one of her mentors, one of, one of her uh, people in her life that really speaks into her life. But uh, we've had a great time. Uh, Tyler and Rachel are just the most just hospitable people in the world, which is why your church is so hospitable. It's why your church is so friendly and so kind. Uh, but who's not here with us, because we left them at home, is our children. <laughs> and we love them, but sometimes, you know. Uh, and so th- these are our kids uh, uh, these are our twins. We have a twin boy and girl. They'll be four in a month. They'll be four years old in a month. Uh, that is my main man, Justice Guard. I love me some justice. He is so scrumptious. I just love, even, even right now, I'm like, oh, I miss you, homie. Like, I just, I love that kid so much. That is justice. And uh, uh, he's amazing. He's so sweet, so kind. Um, uh, people just love him. He's got a way about him. And then our daughter, Adriana Grace Guard. Uh, I love Adriana. She is her mother's daughter. She is a tough cookie. Uh, she's a tough little thing. And uh, I'm believing by faith that's going to pay off. She's going to be like an attorney or something, something crazy. Um, because those uh, skills that she has to manipulate <laughs> have to pay off at some point. And so, uh, so we love them so much. And, and, and the message I'm going to preach today, honestly, was really inspired by them. Uh, I remember, uh, uh, man, about a year ago, I'm in my backyard, and I'm, we're, we're sitting in our backyard, and our kids are running around and playing. It's one of those perfect kind of Florida days, and, and uh, uh, kids are running around, and they're playing. And I'm sitting there with Christina and my wife, and, and this passage just kind of hit me. It was, I think it was like prophetic, um, and it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was um, when King David writes uh, uh, in the Psalms, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And even when I felt like God really spoke that to me, it wasn't just because I was sitting in the midst of a lot of answered prayer. Some of you, I preached last year, some of you know that like our story is that, man, we prayed for nine years to have kids and we had undiagnosed infertility and we couldn't figure it out. And then by the grace of God, we get pregnant. And then, and then we find out we're, we're having twins and we're like, BOGO! Like, it was awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and it was amazing. And, and, and it wasn't, <clears throat> excuse me, just because I, I was <clears throat> sitting in the reminder and in the place of, man, man God's really blessed us, I, I thought to myself, I've always had this outlook. I've always had this outlook that, man, wherever I'm at is where it's at. Like wherever I'm at is the greatest place in the world. When I lived in the D.C. area, I thought it was the greatest place in the world. When I lived in Washington State, I thought it was the greatest place in the world. When I live in Florida, it just is the greatest place in the world. <laughs> And, and, and I'm like, I always had that attitude. When we were praying for kids, I thought I had the life. And, and, and so what I want to do is, again, I want to come and I want to preach a pastoral message that hopefully that we can walk out of here today and go, hey, I got a different perspective on how I view this thing called contentment. Because here's what I believe with my, my whole soul right now. Discontentment is epidemic in our culture. It's epidemic. Everyone's always looking. Everyone's looking for a new job. Everyone's looking for a new home. Everyone's looking for a new place to live. Everyone's looking for a new spouse. It's too real here at Mission Church at the 11 o'clock service. Everyone's, everyone thinks, oh, if I was just in that spot or if, I, or if I was just doing this or if I just had this job. In fact, oftentimes, the same thing you prayed for, you're complaining about now. Lord, I pray you'd give me a community. God, God, God give me a church. And then you get in church and be like, oh, some people are kind of annoying. God, I pray for a spouse, please. God, I pray for, and then God gives you a spouse and you're like. 
God, I prayed for kids. I prayed nine years for kids. And some days I'm like, I prayed for this? I, my prayer for us is that, man, we walk out of here today just a little more content than when we walked in. And I, I want to read out of Psalm chapter 16, that passage that I was referencing. And it says this. David writes, now, by the way, David writes this. He is not king. See, sometimes we think, oh, the only content people are the people that are there. And the longer I get in this game called life, the more I realize there is no there there. There's just a there. There's no spot. There's just a way of being. And David's not king yet. In fact, David is on the run for his life from Saul. And this is what he writes. Now, I don't know how you respond when you're on the run. But usually I don't write things like this. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you're not going to abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. No, no, no. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want to preach a message today that I'm calling Pleasant Places. Let's pray together today over the preaching of God's word. God, I thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we just ask you to speak to us today. God, we ask you to make yourself real to us. And Lord, I just come against discontentment in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask you to speak. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen and amen. Um, you know, in every fight and in every battle, uh, there are places of vulnerability, right? It doesn't matter who the stronger party is. If that person gets hit in the wrong spot, it's over. In fact, I know this because I wrestle with my son, who is three, often. Now, what I love, now, my son is a monster for his age. He's like in the, they use a greater than. So my son is in the greater than 99 percentile in height and weight. So the kid is a monster, right? But it doesn't matter because I'm 40. <laughs> and so at any time, it doesn't matter. I can impose my physical will on him, at least for the time being. But what's interesting, it, it, the size doesn't really, really matter um, if he strikes me in one of about three spots. Right, something like, man, I can have him right where I want him. and we're wrestling around, and he's, he's really into Spider-Man right now, so he's always throwing the web at me. He's like, he's always throwing the web at me. And then sometimes he'll start kicking and stuff like that, and if we're kind of going at it, and it, right, there's some obvious places, right, that, that if he hits me, right? If he hits me in the growing, it doesn't matter how big I am, right? Right, he hits me in the growing, boom, I'm going down. If he, if he pokes me in the eye, the other day we were wrestling, and like his thumb went right in my eyeball, I was like, ah, ah, hold on, Justice, hold on. And he was like, <laughs> like he was like, he's figuring, I could tell the synapses were connecting. Okay, okay. The other place where I'm really vulnerable is my soul with him, right? So, so growing eyes and my heart. Those are the places. So sometimes like, we'll be going at it and something will happen, like he'll get hurt and he'll get frustrated. And he's like, we're not friends anymore. And I'm like, oh. That's fine. I'm not your friend anyway. I'm your father. Like, you know, like it's just, <laughs> there's a few different places. And, and, and what's interesting is um, discontentment is going to come for us all, right? Discontentment is going to come for us all. And there's a few different places that discontentment is trying to seed itself into you. There's a few different places. Uh, one of those places is in our mind, Come on, you ever get so frustrated because your mind just cannot settle down? 
Let your, your mind is just all over the place. And, and oftentimes the way that this plays out is uh, the enemy will try to kind of use discontentment to get in your mind and to get you so frustrated at like your place in life, maybe where you live, maybe what, what your you know, work situation is. And he'll try to get up here and, and he'll try to get you to think, oh, if, if I just had this, then I'd be fine. I just had this. Come on, we've all had seasons and moments in life where we thought we were a this away from a whole different thing. The other place of vulnerability for discontentment in our lives is our eyes, is our eyes, right? This is why, <laughs> you ever find yourself, like you just purchased a house and like three months later, you're on realtor.com? And you're like, like, what is that in me? Like, like, what is that? Like, I just bought a house. Like, I like my house. In fact, I liked my house until I started looking at other houses. Like, I was fine with my house until I w- went over to your house for dinner and you showed me around. <laughs> and, and so the other place of vulnerability is, is your eyes. The other place of vulnerability is your heart. We're vulnerable in our heart. See, uh, sometimes we can think, oh man, if I wasn't married to this person and I was married to this person, life would somehow be easier. And the reality of life is this, is that man, you're always gonna be attacked in the area of contentment. And here's why the enemy always likes to attack you there is because we make poor decisions when we're discontent. You and I, man, we make really bad decisions when we are discontent. And so, Discontentment's gonna try to get in you and make you feel like, oh man, the life you want is like, oh, it's, it's like right there. It, it, it's, just, it's just right there. In, in fact, uh, a little while ago, we took our whole staff to like this arcade thing that we had rented out and, and we were playing like these dumb, like old school games at this arcade thing. It was awesome. It was fun. It was like a celebratory type of thing with our team. And um, I, I started playing this game that I haven't played in forever. I've not played this game in forever, but I was like, oh, I want to give it a go. And it's that one kind of, I don't even know what the game is called, but it's, I call it the grabbing claw game. You know that thing where there's like the toys in it, in the little box, and then you have the little joystick and the little arm goes around. And then when you're over something that you think it can grab, you hit the little joystick button and then it goes down and then it hopefully grabs that, you know, uh, $8 toy that you've invested $50 in and then drops it in the bucket and, and, and you get your toy. So I was playing this game. And you know, when you're younger and you're playing games like this, you don't necessarily realize the hustle. But as you get older, you're a little more aware, you're a little more mature, and, and you're like, oh man, I didn't know that this is how this game works because I realized what it was doing. Because the way that this thing should work is I should be able to move this joystick around, I should be able to press the button, the arm should go down, it should close, it should pull up, and then put the thing in the bin, but that's not what it was doing. And I didn't realize this when I was eight years old that I was getting hustled. But now what I realized what it did is, is the arm would go down and it would not close. It would start to pull up and it wouldn't start closing until it was like halfway already pulled up. And so it would always get to the face of the SpongeBob. (laughs) And and it wouldn't start closing until it was already halfway. And it was like, oh man, I almost had it. And isn't that exactly how discontentment works? It's like, oh man, it's like I can touch the life that I think that I want. And it's like, oh man, it's right there. I just got to put another dollar in. And I just got another put a dollar in. And we don't ever stop to go, is this really what God wants for me? I mean, is this really what God wants for my life? Is this really something I'm supposed to be spending this amount of time in my mind thinking about? Is this really something that I should be having angst over? Or maybe just maybe God is so good that he protects me, that he loves me, that he keeps me from things that I'm not supposed to have. And so we gotta really, really be careful that we're not chasing after things that we're not supposed to have. And by the way, culture is not helping us with this. Culture's not interested in helping you become more content. In fact, even the kind of questions we ask each other is like built around discontentment. Like the exact questions we ask each other. In in fact, uh, here's a question. We have a lot of young people. Probably about 75% of our church is like under 32 years old at Grace City Church. And so a question that comes up a lot in our church, like when you're younger, sometimes people still ask you even as you get older, but a question you get asked a lot is, where do you see yourself in five years? 
Where do you see yourself in five years? That's literally a question of discontentment. And so we've trained ourselves to feel the pressure of going, man, I care more about what I look like than who I actually am. Because when somebody asks me, hey, where do you see yourself in five years? We never think to answer, well, um, as far as vocationally, I'll probably be doing kind of the same thing I'm doing. Uh, I'm probably going to be living in the same kind of house. Probably, hopefully, by the grace of God, married to the same person. (laughs) My kids, believe this or not, are going to be five years older. (laughs) Like like, Like, that's not how we feel comfortable answering that question. Right, we feel like we gotta like make up this stuff. You ever, you ever feel that pressure of going, uh, I'll probably be on, in space. <laughs> Come on, we feel the pressure of like, man, we gotta, be, because you know what's not sufficient is just saying, I'm, like externally, my reality is probably gonna look the exact same, but internally, I'm gonna be better. <laughs> externally, it's gonna look pretty much how it looks right now. But internally, I'm going to be more generous, I'm going to be more kind, I'm going to be more loving, I'm going to be more at peace, I'm going to be more forgiving, and I don't feel the pressure from anybody else to feel like, man, I got to be reaching for the stars, I don't got these American Idol dreams every season of my life. No, 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 I'm on a journey, and I am on a journey that is one step of faithfulness in every single season, and I don't care more about what I look like, I care more about who I'm becoming. And we got to get really content with that. And we got to get really, really comfortable with that. And we got to be in a place where we can honestly say that. Otherwise, we'll spend so much energy on things that we shouldn't be spending energy on. I love this story because it involves your pastor. Um, (laughs) um, So I wasn't the most like studious guy. Like, you know, I wasn't the most studious guy. Um, Pastor Tyler probably wasn't the most studious person either. Uh, but I'll let him dictate what gradation of non-studious he will, he will on his own terms. Uh, but I'll just speak for me. I wasn't the most studious person. Um, it's kind of funny, actually, that I even married Christina. My wife has two master's degree and is more than halfway through on a PhD degree. And I'm like, I went to community college. Right? And I'm proud of that. You know what I'm saying? And... Uh, and, uh, but, but early on, um, in, um, uh, in like when we were like, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, my grades aren't what I wanted them to be. Uh, and so when we would get our report cards, I remember this like it was yesterday, we'd like go to Kinko's or we'd go to Tyler's house and they had like a scanner and, and, and things like that. So we could literally go. And so we would scan our report cards and then we would make our own. So we would scan our report cards and then we would copy paste like the A from Andrew, drag it down to like my C minus in science. And then I got an A minus because I wanted to, you know, A minus. I can't just do a straight A. You know what I mean? Like you got to make this thing legit. You know what I mean? And so, so, so then, then we would calculate our own GPA. So it's like I'd go from like a 2.7 to a 3.74, you know, like, and then I would give this to my parents. And honestly, we had worked so hard on this. By the time I gave it to my parents, it felt like I really got these grades. <laughs> and so I would give these to my parents. I'm like, hey, look, I'm on the honor roll. Like, you won't, like, like and then graduation came. How come your name's not? I, I don't know. They must have missed it. They must have <laughs> forgot to put my name on the honor roll thing. <laughs> we did this for like three years. And, uh... <laughs> In fact, I, I, I had to keep calculating my, GP, my fake GPA in order to make sure that it made sense like throughout the years. Well, years later, I was like telling this story and the thought had never really occurred to me, but, but, but it occurred to me years later, I went, if I would have put as much effort into my grades and studying as I did in painstakingly like recreating. And, and, and now, now listen, I know for some of you, you don't feel like the technology of like, oh, scanning it. No, we were ahead of our time. Like nobody was scanning report cards back then. We were ahead of our time. And, and, and what happens in our life is like, man, man we, we spend so much time like curating this projected image that we want to give to the world while on the inside, we're just like, like rattled. We're just discontent and we're not doing good. And as if we spend more time on the inside of us than we do on the outside of us, I think we just really like our lives more. 
I think we'd be more settled with who we are as per- people. And my point, my only point is this, and I'm gonna give you a working definition of, of contentment. And it's this, contentment is the ability to be grateful right where God currently has you. And then to get to work on making that everything it can be. That's what contentment is, is being grateful. God, thank you for this space. Thank you for where I'm at. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for how you're bringing me along. Okay, that's great. And now this is what you've given me. These, this is my lot. Now I'm gonna make it the best I possibly can. Now I'm gonna make this environment the best I possibly can. And I love that David has this perspective. This is why David could flourish, whether he was the king, whether he was a shepherd boy, whether he was on the run, whether he was killing Goliath. It did not matter what environment he is. Just David just flourished, why? Because the lines had always fallen for him in pleasant places. And he knew that and he understood that. And 16 verse one, he says, preserve me, O God for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. And then he does this, it's kind of interesting. He says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones. And then he says, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. So what is he doing? He's juxtaposing juxtaposing people that follow after God and people that don't. And what he's saying is, I'm looking and I'm taking my cue and I'm admiring the godly ones. You will never find contentment by admiring people that are chasing after the world. Because whoever you admire, you will eventually emulate. And so, so if your heroes are people that are discontent and chasing after the world, and you expect the fruit of your life to be contentment, the two simply will not commingle. But if you say, what does it look like for somebody to be godly? What does it look like for someone to chase after God? And those start being the people that you go, oh man, okay, that's what that looks like. You can find contentment. But I love, he says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Have you ever had a place that could settle you? It could be a room in your house. It could be maybe a coffee shop in town. It could be, you know, a walk that you take. But I think every person following Jesus needs a place that they meet with Jesus. I think you, it doesn't, it's not that God can't meet you everywhere, but how many of you know, like Christina and I go out to eat at a number of restaurants, but there is a restaurant, right? It's not that God won't meet you in a variety of places, but there is a place. And for us, um, for a long time, our place was this electrical box by our house. So, so we live in Florida, so we have like no mountains, like it is flat, it is flat, flat, flat. And so what's funny is where we lived was the highest point in our city. And if I were to take you there, you would laugh being from here, right? So, so it was literally like just like a little hill. And so, so it would be a little hill at the top. Joe probably knows where it is. It was a little hill at the top and then there was an electrical box that we would go and stand up on. And from that place, <laughs> we could see it all, right? And so this was like a block from our house. And so this became our spot. And Christine and I would go up to the spot. This is before we started Gray City Church. Uh, this was before we had kids. And we would go up to this spot and we'd stand on this electrical box and we would pray for our city. God, give us this city. Like, like come on, we're gonna plant Gray City Church. Like, let's go. God, we pray for kids in that spot. We just met with God in that spot. Like, like that was our spot. That was a spot where we really settled ourselves in God and what he was speaking over our lives. And can I just tell you, there is no one else that is designed to be a place of refuge for you. You can't find it. God and God alone is the only one that can be your refuge. You better find a place of refuge. This is why we get so frustrated sometimes, actually, because we're looking uh, for a refuge in a thing that is not designed to be a refuge. Can I just, like, let me tell you a secret. Let Let me tell you a secret. Your job is not designed to be your refuge. It's not set up for that. So I know some of you, you might be frustrated with your job. Let me just tell you, let me secret, just for us. <laughs> if you keep expecting your job to do something that it can never do, then you will be frustrated forever. <laughs> that sounds like a fun life, just constantly frustrated. 
Can, can, can you, you want to know what your job's designed to do? Can, can, can I just tell you what your, what your job is designed to do? Number one, like put food on the table. Like literally care for your practical needs. That is what your job is designed to do. Like, like that, that, you know what else your job is designed to do? Uh, missions work. Your job is designed to get you around people that don't know Jesus so that you can in some way, shape, or form based on what is appropriate to that environment, share the gospel. And then the third thing that your job is designed to do is to give labor for your hands. That's it. (laughs) That is all your job is designed to do. Not fulfill your passions, not fulfill your desires, not to be your favorite part of the day. Like that is it. So I'm like, oh, my, my job, it's, it's not pulling out the best. Your job is not designed to pull out the best in you. That's not what it's supposed to do. Like Jesus pulls out the best of you. Your friends pull out the best of you. Your church pulls out the best for you. So you're getting frustrated. You're discontent. And God's like, yo. Like how much does the Bible talk about vocation? And you and I over here like, God, should, what should I do about my job? God's like, I don't know, just go. <laughs> We're looking for things to fulfill us. Only God can be your refuge. And by the way, while you're in this place of refuge, refuge with God, you have to get a plan to stay content when you step out of that place of refuge. So you gotta have a plan. I remember a huge thing for Christine and I, I'll just give you like a very practical thing that, man, this is maybe a couple years ago now, maybe a year and a half ago now. Christine and I were um, uh, having one of those sit downs. Now my wife, I love my wife. So my wife, (laughs) she's like a trained psychologist, okay? Which is as bad as it sounds for me. I get free counseling, like whether I want it or not. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, sounds great, babe. <laughs> like, I love my dad. Like, you know, like. <laughs> my, my dad and I are fine. <laughs> and so Christine and I are having one of those kind of moments and, and, and we're hanging out and we're just talking about, man, how can we make our relationship better and, and what are some things? And you, you wanna know what's like a little adjustment that we did that just settles us down on the inside. Because by the way, that's a huge art of life, like settling yourself down on the inside. Yeah. And, uh, and so one of the things we came with is we said, man, we gotta get our phones out of our room. Gotta get our phones out of our room. Be- because we find ourselves, I'm going to bed coveting and I'm waking up coveting. So I'm, I'm going to bed just scrolling and looking at people's curated, perfect lives. And I'm going, oh man, that's kind of cool. Oh, that's kind of awesome. My day was kind of boring. I got up and brushed my teeth, had four really awkward meetings. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, here I am, just showered and went to bed. Like, what a day. You seem like you did something awesome, right? And then I wake up and I'm doing that. So we were like, man, we, we gotta get our phones out of our room. So you know what we did? We literally got home from that trip and we bought alarm clocks. Guys, we have alarm clocks. Remember those? So we bought alarm clocks. So we have like alarm clocks next to our bed. And, and, and so what I do is just before like we have dinner with our kids, boom, I go put my phone. Uh, we have a charging like station out in our mudroom. I put my phone in there and then I don't pick up that phone until I've done my devotions and prayed. Uh, so about 8 a.m. the next morning. So from 7 p.m. to 8 a.m., I'm just not looking at stuff. I, I, I just, my, what am I doing? I have a we, like nightly routine of settling myself down on the inside. So, so when you are in that place of going, okay, God, I'm with you, allow God to speak to you and go, hey, what are some things you can do so that I can come and be the Lord of your life all the way through? And then in verse five, he says this, he says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup, you hold my lot. So that is to say what David is saying is, hey, we have a lot. Every single one of you, like Christine and I, uh, we built a house a couple years ago and, and we bought a lot. And there were direct borders that ordered that lot and that was our lot to build on. Every single one of us in this room, every single one of us watching online, what God has given you and I a lot to build upon. And he says, hey, you are, you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord 
who gives me counsel in the night. And also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Now, when I talk to people who maybe grew up kind of without a lot of resources, I talk to people who maybe didn't grow up with a lot of money, it's always interesting to me because I talk to people who didn't grow up with a lot of money, but then they kind of like worked really hard and now they have some money, they have some resources. And of every person that I talk to that is kind of, this is the story of their life, it's almost always the same response that they give. And what they'll do is they'll reflect on their childhood and they'll say this, honestly, I didn't even know we were poor until I started having some resources. And it's kind of interesting, right? They were like, you know, I grew up and it's not like we had tons of stuff, but I had brothers and sisters and we had fun and we'd go play and, and, and you know, and I, I didn't even really like know we were poor. And so what that tells me is that discontentment is a learned attribute. So, so I have to stack my thing up against your thing to even get to a place of discontentment, right? And, and so sometimes like, you know, what is hurting us is that comparison game. What's hurting us, because you can be over here and go, oh man, I, I actually you know, kind of like my lot, my lot's okay, but then you can see somebody else and go, okay, I, I, my lot's okay, but I sure wish my lot was their lot. Come on, you, you ever prayed for somebody else's life? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Come on, have you ever thought, let's be honest, we all have, right? But what I always find fascinating, when, when we're fantasizing about somebody else's life, we never include their issues. I'm like, I want your house, I want your bank account, I want your car, I want this. But we're not like, oh yeah, but I also want your upbringing and I also want your insecurities and I also want your pain and I also want that failure that you had 18 years ago. No, no, that's not how we fantasize. When I'm looking at your life and going, oh man, I wish that was my lot, I'm not including what you had to go through to get there. All I'm including is just like, what does it look like right now, today? If you can eliminate comparison, then you will be able to say these words with a clear conscience. Man, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And how beautiful would it be for your soul to be able to say that with a clarity of conscience? God, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful. Man, but we undervalue our own blessings, don't we? My mom, my mom and I are very different. And a month after our kids were born, my mom moved uh, to Lakeland. So from Washington State, like 3,000 miles, she moved because uh, she was grandma and she was like, there ain't no way I'm not gonna be around my grandkids. I'm an only child. And so my mom was like, there's no way I'm not gonna kind of grow up with my grandkids. And so my mom is amazing. She has our kids right now. And our kids, I think, like it more when Christine and I leave, right? Because yesterday, they're at SeaWorld yesterday. They're at the water park the day before. I'm like, mom, you gotta chill. These kids need resistance in their life. And, uh, and my mom and I are very different. We're similar in some ways. Like my mom is a trash talker. Like my mom's a little hood. Like, so like, so she, she talks a little bit of trash and, um, uh, but, uh, um, uh, but we're very different in this regard. My mom is very much like a pack rat. So she'll keep stuff. She's very sentimental. And so she'll keep a lot of stuff. I'm the, I'm not sentimental about anything. I'm like, if we're not using it, if you don't see it in our house, we get rid of it. We give it away. We throw it away. I, I just don't like having clutter. Uh, I'm very OCD. We were laughing about it earlier uh, this week. I'm, I'm very, very OCD. And so my mom's always, at, she'll, she'll like, hey, I got your letterman's jacket. Like, do you want it? Hey, I have this. She's always telling me all the stuff she has. I'm like, mom, no. In fact, she's been hounding me for the last like, you know, few months. Hey, I got like basketball cards from when you were a kid. Like, do you want them? I'm like, no, like, no, like, no Nobody makes you feel like you're 12, like your mom. <laughs> I go instantly 12. I'm like, mom, stop. Like, like. <laughs> so, so I'm like, no, mom, I, I don't want these cards. Like, stop. And she's like, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give them to justice. Like, again, my mom's a child. I'm just going to give them to justice. You're not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to give them to justice. I'm like, mom, don't give them to justice because then we got a storm in our house and I don't want a storm in my house. Like, no, I don't want these things. Until like a little while ago. Because I was watching ESPN one day, and I saw like on a little tracker, on a little thing, and it said, LeBron James rookie card just sold for $5 million. <laughs> and I went, hey, mom, you still got those basketball cards? <laughs> yeah, can you bring those? Justice said he really wants them. Can you bring them? <laughs> Discontentment will cause you to devalue the blessings in your life. 
Discontentment will, will cause you not to see the good things. In fact, I would love to do an exercise. I wish I could do it with every single one of you where we just like went out to coffee and we just begin to talk about, before we talked about the pain you've been through, before we talked about the trauma that, you, that you've been through, before we talked about even your dreams over the next five years, what if we just sat down for like an hour and just said, man, how good has God been to us? How good has God been to you? Remember when your parents got divorced when you were 14 and you were devastated? Man, God was gracious and God was loving and God was just walking with you, walking with you. Remember when you thought your marriage wasn't gonna make it through that really difficult season and yet seven years later, oh man, you, you made it through. Come on, but before we start talking about all the stuff we've been through or all the stuff we wanna achieve, what if we just said right now, the good life is right now. The good old days are today. The things that God is doing in my life, man, the spot that I want to be is right where I am at. I've set the Lord always before me. See, when you set the Lord always before you, life is always good. When, when, you're looking at, when you're looking at your circumstances, life can get real difficult. When you're looking at Jesus, man, life has a lot more way of making sense. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I want to end with this. I want to have the team come up. Because in verse 9, he says, therefore... My heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. I love my flesh also dwells secure. Now that, that's kind of an interesting thing considering his flesh is literally running for its life. This is my flesh dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul or let your holy one see corruption. And then this is it, right? In verse 11, it all culminates. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. More. So here, here's why contentment matters so much. Here's why contentment matters so much. Because overall discontentment leads you to misdiagnose the why, and then you start cutting things that aren't the problem. Right? So, so, so when you're discontent, you won't understand why you're discontent. And so you will start, you will start changing all these external realities, not realizing that the problem is within. The problem is not your spouse. And the problem is not your job. And the problem is not the house you live in. And the problem is not where you live. The problem is right here. Famous quote, wherever you go, there you are. I, I, I know it's so much more sexy and so much more attractive to go, if I just change this, by the way, all of us have succumbed to this and we changed that thing and we went, oh, maybe it's not that thing. And so when we're discontent, we'll cut off things. Like I, I know people, we've had people in our church just outright, they just left their spouse. They just went to their spouse one day and said, I don't want to be married anymore. Why? Because they didn't want to deal with this. They thought it was this. And so what we do is <laughs> we put ourselves in the tight spot and then we blame God. See, because this is the life that God wants to give you, right? The life I'm living on this platform right now, the wide open spaces, right? The gate is narrow, but the field is big. And, and when you step into a relationship with Jesus, he's going, this is the life I have for you right here. This is what I want to do in and through your life. But then what happens is we start living our life and we start coveting and complaining. So, so we have all these wide open spaces. God is doing, wanting to do amazing things in our life and we're frustrated and we're like, but God, like I wish I had that relationship or I wish I had that job. And then what we start doing is we find ourselves kind of coming in right here. We find ourselves just kind of complaining and coveting our way through our life. And, and, then, and, then, <laughs> and then we're frustrated because our relationships aren't flourishing because we left them too easily. Our career's not going where we want it to go because we left the job without getting through the tough parts to get to the good parts. And so, and so we find ourselves boxed into this space. And we're like, God, why did you put me here? Like, like, why did you put me in this, in this constrictive life? And God is going, I didn't put you there. You put you there. 
I, I put you on this platform with wide open spaces. Can I just get real practical for a second? I mean, real practical. Listen, your career will not go well if you go from job to job to job to job because you're discontent on the inside. It's like some career counseling for you today. <laughs> won't go well your life in your your life in church won't go well if you leave the first time pastor tyler offends you this is what we say at our church listen offense is a feature not a bug of the church offense is a feature offense is the point of this whole thing offense is the point People, we've had people, hey, I'm, I'm leaving the church. I was offended by this. And we're like, yeah, that's, that, that's what we're trying to do. That's kind of the aim. That's the goal. Trying to offend our flesh. Yep, you were offended. Cool, right on. Great, me too. I'm offended every Sunday I preach. And as I'm the one saying, I'm like, ah, I mean, I got to live up to that. <laughs> I can't stand myself. Like, <laughs> offense is the point. In fact, the other day, I, I knew this guy, and, and he posted what I thought was like a really benign post, and he just pretty much posted, I'm going to paraphrase, but the whole gist of it was, hey, a Christian um, without the church is just not going to be a functional Christian. And people kind of blew him up, like in the comment section, they just kind of blew him up, and, and a lot of people, and they were like, man, I, I, you know, I got hurt by the church, and I haven't been to church in 10 years, and me and Jesus are like, we've never been better. And I was like, says Who? Like literally when I saw people in the comment, it took everything inside of me not to comment. Like, how do you know if you're doing never done better with Jesus? Here's why I say that. Like when it's just me alone, I'm super generous. If I want something to drink, I go up and get it for me. I'm, I'm very generous. I'm very thoughtful to myself. Very kind to myself, very forgiving to myself. So, so I, how do I have a barometer of how me and Jesus are doing? How do I have a barometer of, of if, if whether or not Christ is being formed in me if you're not there to annoy me? <laughs> like, how do I know, like, oh, man, I'm a real forgiving person if, like, you're not there to do something jacked up to me for me to forgive? I don't know how I'm doing. So can I just encourage, like, if you get offended, it's like, that's fine. Like, get through that. Don't be discontent and go, oh, I need a new friend. I need a new tribe. I need a new group. I need a new church. Marriage is hard. Suck it up. I just had another spouse. Okay, well, if your spouse had another you, figure it like. like. <laughs> the enemy's just having a field day with our discontentment. He's just having a field day with us. He's just taking us to and fro. He's just having a field day in our relationships. He's having a field day in our church life. He's having a field day in our careers. And my prayer for all of us today would be this, that man, that you would have like a new mantra. Hopefully my goal today was to literally come and put language to maybe what you're feeling on the inside. So that whenever you have these feelings that you would have something to combat it with. Well, one, you'd have something to worship, a, a new mantra to worship God with when things are going good. So you'd have a new mantra to just say, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Come on, tonight when you're eating dinner with your family, you ought to say that out loud. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant when you get up and you go to work tomorrow man the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places when you're getting dressed and you got those clothes on your back lines have fallen for me in pleasant when things aren't going good you have a new mantra to combat the tactics of the enemy that is going to want to make you feel discontent nah nice try devil the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places i'm not forgetting that god is good for good to me i'm not forgetting that he's been gracious to me i'm not forgetting that while i was yet an enemy of god christ died for me I'm not forgetting that he's been pulling me along, that he's been dragging me, sometimes kicking and screaming into his will. Why? Because God's good and he's been faithful. 
and the lines have fallen for you and me in pleasant places. Come on, let's stand to our feet, Mission Church. And I just wanna pray a couple prayers over us. And the first one is this, you're in this room right now with every head bowed and eyes closed, or maybe you're watching online. And if you and I were to go out to coffee and I were just to ask you this straight up question right to your face, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? And if your answer is no, he's not, or 20 years ago, man, I, I was following God, but I walked away and today I wanna come home. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. So for some of you, this is gonna be like a birthday. And what God wants to do is he wants to forgive you of your sin and then he wants to give you eternal life. And what we believe here at Mission Church is this, it's not just like a life that when you die like, and you go to heaven, not just exclusively for that, but God wants to give you a new kind of life right now. And if that's you, when I count to three, I'm just gonna ask you just, to, just, just a simple sign of just confession of faith of saying, yeah, pastor, that's me. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, ready, one, two, three. Go ahead and lift up your hand all across this room. You just say, yep, that's you. Yep, way to go. Yep, right here, I see you. Beautiful. Yep, see you right there. Beautiful, most important decision in your life. Who is Jesus? He is Lord, meeting you right where you're at, forgiving you of your sins. Uh, you can put your hands down. Second question is this. You're following Jesus, you're a Christian, but if you were honest, man, your mind just races and your heart races and your eyes race and, and, and they kind of take you. And in fact, in some ways, you're probably kind of exhausted from it. Just always thinking, oh, what's next? What's next? What's next? And God's just saying, no, no, I want you to focus on what's now. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand all across this room and I wanna pray for us. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for today. God, I'm not taking tomorrow for granted because you told us not to take tomorrow for granted. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness over our life today. And God, help us to see our lot. Help us to see that the lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. Help us to see your goodness and your graciousness and your kindness. And God, we love you and we're grateful. So God, I pray that you would put that prophetic word deep in all of our hearts, God, that when we leave here today and over the months to come, God, that we would be able to authentically declare that the lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen and amen. Come on, can we thank God for his goodness and his kindness towards us? Can we say thank you to Andrew? So good, so good, so good, so good. How many people are not going to go to bed with their phone in the room anymore? I, I, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to get an alarm. They're called alarm clocks. I'm going to get one of those things if they're real. All right. Um, hey, we had some people get saved today, and we always finish with prayer. And so we want to pray with you if you got saved today. It's a sinner's prayer, and will you repeat after me? Are you guys ready? Jesus, come into my life today. I declare I'm a sinner, and now you're my Savior. I say goodbye to my past and hello to my promises. I say goodbye to cursing and hello to blessing. And everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.